Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Alan's Accessible Adventures, the podcast. This episode, we will be talking to our Olympian, David Smith. Welcome to the show. Thank you. For those of you who may not know what you're all about, do you want to just give a quick summary? No worries. Um, so, I'm a, a Paralympic champion in the sport of watcher, and I've been competing in the sport for probably over 15 years now, um, internationally. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a mad ride, and uh, yeah, obviously l- looking forward to Tokyo this year. Uh, once the uh, lockdown and all that finishes, yeah, it's been good. Uh, my aim is obviously to, to defend my title and uh, try and uh, get myself ready for sort of next season um, leading into Paris. So it's uh, yeah, it's all coming thick and fast at the moment. Cool. Um, we we're gonna sort of rewind the clock and talk a bit pre-budget, but before before we do, I guess, let, would you mind? letting people know what type of disability you have as we've got all, all types of disabilities on this podcast so it's nice to know kind of what we're what we're dealing with so to speak yeah sure um so i have uh, cerebral palsy uh, spastic quadriplegia um and yeah i had it at birth so i mean most people with cerebral palsy get it at birth but yeah i was one of those as well um got it at birth and um yeah i've had it ever since and uh, yeah it's just part of who i am and yeah, you just make the best of it, don't you? I also have quadrupling classic cerebral palsy, but it's interesting because I actually do also play bocce or did used to play. I played in one tournament competitively, but I would love to sort of get back into it and post lock none, obviously, which is why I guess I would like to talk to you. But it's interesting also, it kind of proves that no two cases of cerebral palsy are the same because for those of you who don't, now, but uh, I think it's for classification. Yeah, I think David, you're a BC1, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, actually, there's, there's probably officially there's like in the Paralympic movement, there's four, um, but at national, particularly in England, we have up to eight different classes ranging from uh, learning disabilities, visually impaired, um, and obviously, the you got the cerebral palsy. Um, aspect of it plus the uh, sort of hereditary disabilities like muscular dystrophy or the acquired disabilities like uh, paraplegics and stuff so so yeah it, it botcher covers uh, all manner of sins uh, basically and we're, we're uh, yeah we're, we're, we're quite lucky um, in the community we have and we uh, yeah it's we are the most disabled athletes on the Paralympic movement. Um, so obviously it's quite an important sport in the Paralympics for that reason, I think. Bocha isn't widely well known outside of the disabled community. So would you want to kind of explain the sport a bit in the most, I guess, concise and simplest way possible? Yeah, sure. So uh, Bocha is a bit like bowl or baton. It's a sort of European bowls game. Um, we play on a hard surface uh, indoors uh, on a badminton court or roughly the same size um, with fairly soft leather balls um, and the rules of the game are pretty similar to most other ball games. The aim of the game is to get closer to the jack than your opponent. Um, the jack being a white ball in our case of the same size as the coloured balls um, and you play red versus blue um, and yeah, um, unlike other bowls games you don't play alternate so it's whoever's furthest away keeps going. Um, until they run out of ammunition, um, which is after six balls have been played, and then um, yeah, and then once all once everybody's played all their balls, what we call an end. And in a match, there are four ends, and in a team game, there are six ends. Games can last between forty-five and ninety minutes, depending on uh, the, who's playing and how fast they play and stuff. Um, but yeah, so it can be quite intense. And I would also like to add there that it's it's 
a somewhat level playing field. It's it's why the classifications exist, like in the in the proper matches, as I understand it. Like you would never be seeing one in the BC three playing together, from what I from what I understand at least. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's level playing field, and fair enough in that in that regard. We are going to of course get on to talking about the competitive side of Bacha and the Paralympics and stuff. But first, like kind of like I said at the top of the interview, want to do sort of rewind the rewind the clock a little bit and ask like when did you first kind of discover Bacha? Like when were you like, oh, this is the thing? Did you try other sports first? Or were you always a sporty person? Or what kind of uh, brought that work on, I guess? So yeah, I've, I've always been quite sporty. Um, so so I first started, uh, I first threw a botcher ball when, when I was about six or seven. So that would have been 1996, 97, to a school called Cedar School. And it was a special school in Southampton. And botcher was one of the sports we played um, in going to the little national junior games in Stoke Mandeville every year. So they made us play a couple of sports and then we sort of came home again. Um, I used to throw sideways, because I had no idea how to play the game and none of the people at the school knew anything about Boccia, so they couldn't really coach me or give me any sort of particularly helpful advice. Thankfully, I realised quite quickly that pointing at the target and throwing towards the target was a better option. I was about 10 at the time when I discovered this unique fact um, and then went to went to secondary school, moved schools, went to Trelaws, which is a disability school in North Hampshire in Alton. At the time, it was probably one of the best schools in the country for disability basically a bit across between like hogwarts and st trinians if you can imagine that uh, we used to rock up to competitions in a massive coach um, with you know we're all in big chairs as well uh, and you just to scare the opposition before we'd even got off the bus and then we'd take all their medals and then go home again it was yeah it was awesome and then you'd wave them from the top of the coach while they're going into their little crap minibuses <laughs> yeah all good fun um so we so we do we dominated um and in boccia which is one of the sports that we did we had a, a guy called barry bowden who was our care coordinator who used to run the activity and six or seven of us would train together weekly which obviously for me that was invaluable to train against more experienced players and then obviously that competitiveness as well and then we we they'd take us to tournaments as i said regional championships national championships um, and one year i was in year nine and i qualified for the british i was the first player to do it since a guy called darren cole which who was about four years before me so it it wasn't a common thing for Trelaws to qualify for the British. We, we'd qualify for the Nationals and then we'd all run out of steam. So we'd take a massive entourage to the Nationals and then we'd all get knocked out before the quarters. Considering we were all under 16, that's not a bad effort. Um, and then I managed to qualify for the British. I went to the British not expecting very much. Got a minibus from the back of the college. Um, uh, Barry kind of nicked it, as it were. And we uh, shoved me in the back and uh, yeah, rocked up in Glasgow, not expecting very much, got lost. And then I managed to win it. Like I beat everybody. I beat the British champ. I beat the sort of England, the GB captain at the time. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, so I, I went on a ma mad run and won the tournament. Won the final 8-0 against the guy who liked to call me a cheat. Uh, um, which was good fun good for a 14-year-old, but I ignored him and just took the ball long and he uh, he couldn't get anywhere near it. So happy days. Um, and then, and then um, yeah, we that was it really. I met the world number one at that point too, which was quite interesting. He refused to play me. I always found that quite funny. Yeah. Um, and then came back to Trelaws, a bit of a cult hero. Um, my election campaign for head boy was based on the fact that I'd won the British Championships, which is nuts. Uh, good old politics, eh? Uh, <laughs> if only, if only, if only adult politics was that simple. That was it really. Uh, and then the rest of the school and college was just about what became a focus. Um, I got called out for England squads, British squads. So my international career started towards the back end of my school and college. I became 
second world champion at the age of 18. And then I obviously we qualified for the Paralympics in Beijing and we won team gold. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And then went to Freshers at Swansea University with a gold medal around my neck. Freshers is much more exciting. I don't think I paid it. I don't think I paid for the drinks for about a week. And that was it really. And then the rest of my career has just been building on that. I became world number one back in back in 2009 the first time um, I lost it again quite quickly afterwards um, but that's the nature of sport um, I picked it back up again in 2013 after the London Paralympic I got a silver in London in the individuals and a team bronze which was which felt like quite a big achievement at the time for me personally uh, to do it as an individual not just in a team yeah became world champion again in 2014 and then managed to get to the 2016 paralympics and won the gold in rio um, and then picked up my mbe a year later yeah just this last four years has been crazy i went unbeaten for a season i won i'd be i'd done the triple crown so european world and paralympic champion so yeah it's all good looking forward to tokyo really jesus christ you've got some like <laughs> anyway it's good to see that here you haven't lost your, your sense of humor and you see the funny side of it because much at least from my experience can be can be quite competitive so, i mean it is really competitive but yeah yeah uh yeah that's that's great to see your your success then obviously lockdown is probably thrown a spanner in the works towards tokyo so what are you sort of doing uh, in lockdown for preparation and how is that kind of how was that I mean, kind of helped or hindered you yeah well lockdown did me a favor weirdly i was sort of coming out of the back end of because 2019 was a tough year for me personally and sort of came into 2020 feeling a bit and it's not a great feeling to have when you're just about to start a paralympic year yeah lockdown started at a good time and i was able to sort of take a step back reflect on life a bit and uh, sort of get my ducks in a row as it were and then recently i sort of picked up decided to do a second career because i felt like i've been doing solely botcher for about six years um and it uh, it just it became it became a bit of a drag to be honest so I, I wanted to have something else as well i wanted to have a, another purpose in life uh not just throwing balls so I became a lifestyle coach for herbalife nutrition and i've been working my way through the ranks the last eight months uh building my team up in that role which has been nice nice to interact with different people with not from a sporting necessarily from a sporting background but just from a business side and it's been interesting different mindset and different ways of working which has been really nice and then actually that's transferred back onto my fitness in terms of botcher and what i need to do probably the fittest i've ever been really um and i'm probably yeah i'm better now than i was before lockdown which is kind of weird considering i haven't trained that much yeah it's been it's been a good it's been a good period for me in terms of getting things sorted in my head and i'm really looking forward to tokyo to sort of put it all out there on the table and see if anybody can match it yeah that's interesting you said that i think pretty much everybody that i've talked to in the disabled community has kind of said that lockdown has, has done them good so it's it's really like weird to see the reverse than a lot of like able-bodied people are, are complaining about it but really i think that it's that it's a good that, that actually leaded in uh, or sorry leads in nicely to my other question which was it seems like your life like you said was all about a bunch of bunch of for, for several years did you do anything other than Bacha apart from this herbal like nutrition obviously now but like have you done anything else or do you have any other interests and how do you balance training with just life in general. So yeah, uh, I mean, sort of finishing Trelaws, I went to the Swansea Uni to study aerospace engineering. So I had a sort of big passion for aircraft, mass physics. So I, I really like the engineering stuff. Towards the end of that, I just, again, it, it, it just felt like the 
that career path wasn't open for me for whatever reason. Botcher sort of took over in terms of because I, no, I had nothing else. Recently, I've been looking to try and, you know, you hit 30 and you start thinking what, you know, like life's not just going to be this, is it? Um, so, so, I, uh, so I wanted to kind of uh, make it better and do do more things and you know feel a bit more productive and yeah I mean other things I like to do you know I like going for walks I like traveling I like meeting people I like cinema you know all the stuff that most people would enjoy doing I like doing obviously I, I can drive so that's cool I like uh, driving all over the place that's quite that was a that was quite a big achievement when I passed my test before London sort of a personal bucket list tick love my car and all that and, all, and everything it does and then obviously having a fast chair so I can get around quick you know I'm as independent as possible so so I can do whatever I want yeah that I that, that's pretty much my, my life really is just uh, living it as much as I can um, and getting things done I, I don't I probably hobbies I don't really have time for hobbies anymore because I'm so busy doing the things I enjoy <laughs> uh, but, um, which isn't a bad thing and then obviously you know spending time with people is quite nice you know personal personal time and stuff when when that arises and family and stuff when we when we get a chance but again that's the same with everybody really and uh, yeah it's all good life's, life's not too bad at the moment and it's uh, yeah it's just it's getting more and more exciting yeah I think that's kind of what's why I wanted to start this podcast because I think that there is a massive misconception among able-bodied people, at least in my in my kind of experience, that disability is like this big taboo thing. And I think that you're like the the, the perfect example and as well in my life. Like people, I do like live streams and YouTube and stuff on Twitch and stuff. And people come in, oh, I feel so sorry for you because you're disabled. But life is just life once you, like, find something that you enjoy as far as that's, that's kind of point in life. Like, there's no kind of set rule book and everybody kind of enjoys life the way they enjoy life. And that being yep. said, uh, that being said, if you had any kind of something to say to, to somebody who may not understand your disability or just disability in general, what kind of stuff would you say to clear up misconception or anything like that? I, I think most people tend to tend to find out quite quickly with me uh, what I'm at, what I'm about. I don't give people a chance to make have a judgment. Uh, I, I'm very cold, very sarcastic and have a good sense of humor, so that helps. Um, um, but I guess, like, is it people don't always understand the nuances of disability? I guess the you know the the day to day stuff. But like for myself, like I need a living carer with me all the time, which you know makes makes things different. Uh, makes it easy for me, but can make it different for other people. If you've got partners and stuff, it can be a little bit weird having someone else around. Again, that's just kind of life, uh, and that, that's just kind of my life. And people just have to kind of live with it. That's that's it's part of who I am. Uh, I can't change that. So uh, tough titties. Um, but the but yeah. So that's kind of. Those little things and stuff, you know, little things like, you know, drop curbs and people sort of wondering why I take a slight detour when I get to a pavement because I'm looking for a drop curb or, you know, when you get using the trains and having to wait for a ramp because you know the trains aren't matched up with the platform and stuff and all that sort of stuff and and you know having to you know when you're flying having to book book in advance and you know to go to a, go to the airport fully prepped and ready to go through uh what is essentially hell for the wheelchairs um, and hope they come out the other side all that sort of stuff that people don't understand but it, it's not a problem it's just a, it's just a, it's a fact of life that some people don't always they don't have so they wouldn't know it's only when you live in either, either live with or in the other person's shoes you get that perspective i guess it's the same with the harry and megan stuff that's going on lately uh in terms of you know harry sort of seeing the other side now and he's like oh maybe maybe my perfect world is not so perfect after all um so yeah it's the same same thing it's not yeah um i think that i think that yeah that's true what you said about the about the airports is is 
living hell. But anyway, you live and you learn. You learn to accept these things. But yeah, I think that once once people get to get to know people the same as everything, like uh, it's the, like the saying, don't judge a book by its cover and stuff. But anyway, just sort of uh, wrapping up then, I guess, what is the future looking like for you? So the near future is um, still lockdown. So obviously working with Herbalife, trying to help as many people as I can sort of with their fitness, health, well-being, and just get people out of food poverty. Um, by eating rubbish and get them into eating something that's actually good for them. Uh, <laughs> but, um, and then uh, long term, looking at Tokyo, trying to defend my title. When we get finally get on court together, it's sort of maximizing those opportunities, getting best prepared going into the games. And obviously after Tokyo, it's about if, if I win gold, um, it's about making the most of that opportunity, trying to put Botcher on the map a bit more, using my platform to inspire others. And um, yeah, hopefully it build my team again down the Herbalife route and help more people sort of find their inner athlete, disabled or non-disabled or not or not fussy. Um, and then the year after that, it, new rules, new botcher rules. So that'll be a, a nice challenge to get our teeth into. And then going into the World Championships and then looking at, looking ahead to Paris and, you know, hopefully having a normal Paralympics rather than uh, a COVID-affected one. Uh, but we, we shall see. Where would you like to see Botcher as a, as a sport, like as a sport going forward in the future, if you could kind of help anything in a hypothetical world? I, I think I'd like to just see it more recognised around the world. I think some countries do it very, very well, like Japan, and where it's actually got its own TV channel, and they, and it's not just disabled people that play it. And then in other in, in other parts of the world, like us, we get it very, very wrong, uh, where it's not on TV at all, and no one knows what the hell it is. Um, so I guess it's narrowing that gap would be my my thing. And obviously for myself, it's just breaking records is nice, but playing well is better. So you know, my aim is to obviously pick up medals and represent uh, UK as best I can. But yeah, and obviously help grow the sport within the UK as well, so that we become competitive um, across all the categories. You know, we can maybe dominate in the team events as well moving forward. So uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree that the media coverage for for Bachelor, even trying to look for Bachelor players to, to come on this. Podcasts, they're not very uh, publicly, uh, like there's no definitive kind of list yeah. that's easy to find at least. But uh, one thing that I that I notice even just in general when looking on YouTube, athletes videos, sorry for the Paralympics and, and different events, there's no kind of, I guess, vi videos other than the percentage of matches that are televised and stuff but interestingly enough when I when I started to kind of prepare for this podcast I noticed that you recently have started a YouTube channel in lockdown so I was wondering coming from the YouTube background uh, coming from the YouTube uh, background myself do you have any sort of plans to I guess produce any any uh, botcha content on that or yeah so I mean the YouTube channel is just another aspect of it it's um with, along with my instagram and facebook pages and stuff um so it's all a it's, it's like a, a mashup uh, i'm not too not taking youtube too seriously because i don't think there's any point but what i do is i do i post about my life so botcher will 
has come up. I've, I've launched quite a few videos on there talk, explaining what Boccia is. And also, I've also launched a couple sort of actually showing me play Boccia as well, um, which is quite cool. Um, and then obviously also, I've also explained how I drive and all this sort of stuff and how my chair works. And so, yeah, I've got, so the, the channel is basically a, a more of a, a autobiography about my life in a kind of video snippet sense without without going into too much detail and then obviously the, the, there is quite a few matches of botch to be fair on youtube now uh, we have got um we have got quite a lot of games that have been recorded and stuff across the recent competitions probably dating back to 2016 um which has been quite good so the, there is a lot more botch content out there to be to be watched um across the world in a different cl classes so um that, that's good and uh, i hope that long may that continue and i think the more content we get and the more matches that get aired, eventually people will be able to, it'll become more public and more, uh, you know, easily accessible. Yeah, so hopefully in the future stuff becomes more accessible. But speaking of, uh, speaking of the future and stuff becoming more accessible, if people have any kind of questions or want to follow up on any conversation today or keep up with stuff that you're doing uh, as we wrap up the podcast, do you have anything that you would like to sort of plug before we uh, go? Yeah, I mean, I'm, feel, I'm, I'm, op I'm open to anybody that wants to come and chat um, again you can either find me on Facebook uh, search um, at Smithy Lifestyle um, or you can find me through Instagram which is um, at Smithy2389 or you can obviously YouTube we've got the my Smithy's Lifestyle channel which you can search for and it, and it comes up quite quickly so again and I, and I answer all the comments and the you know and the messages and stuff so uh, you know if anybody wants to get in touch please do obviously uh, if, if you spam me and you start sending me hate I will ignore you um, but, uh, but and any any constructive uh, feedback is always welcome. Yeah, thank you very much, David Smith, for doing the podcast. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure when the next episode will be because I forgot to say this at the top of the podcast. But I'm now only releasing episodes when I guess we have a conversation uh, to uh, kind of talk about. But with that being said, thank you guys for listening, and I will see you guys next time. Bye.